Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. Here we are, January 7th, 2024. I still am perplexed every time I start saying numbers outside of 2000 because most of my childhood was anticipating that the, we would be levitating by now. We would be like Ready Player One movie. And if you were a part of City Life last year, you know that we kicked off the year talking about Sabbath. And one of the practices under the teaching of John Mark Comer through the ministry of practicing the way, the first one is Sabbath. So we spent four weeks going through the spiritual formation of what it means to Sabbath, a weekly time throughout the week where we just stop, rest, delight, and we worship. And we got to remember that Jesus, he completed all the work on the cross. It is finished. So therefore, you and I can begin. We flow from victory. He said, come to me, anyone who's weary and needs rest. Jesus offers Sabbath 24-7, 365, but also there's a discipline, a practice to Sabbath weekly. And that might be Sunday for some, that could be a Friday night that just gives you yourself permission to say, the world will keep going, God is going to be God, but I'm going to stop as God rested. I'm going to rest, I'm going to delight, and I'm going to worship. And today, we're going to continue um, learning from practicing the way with a second practice called prayer. And when you think prayer, I don't know what your thoughts come to mind, but a lot of times when I think prayer, what I think is how somebody else prays. But to sum it up, it would simply mean talking to God. Just last night at the dinner table, our kids had this moment, we go around and we share our favorite thing of the day. And my brain started to check out every once in a while, I'll find myself, it's as if a visual comes about the stresses, the pressures, it could be a to-do list, something that I want to get done where I am not present in the moment, I am gone. And the, the kids started going like this to me. And it took me about six seconds. I'm like, Dad, are you listening? I think we all know that feeling where you're talking to somebody and you're like, are you listening? Well, here's the good news. Whenever you're talking to God, he's always listening. And of course, we want to posture ourselves, not just talk to God. He gave us two ears, one mouth, first to listen, but to understand and frame that prayer is communication with God. And he wants to meet me and you. And when does he want to meet us? Let's look to Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Don't you want to be understood? Don't you want to be heard? And don't you want to have access to someone that is always there in your time of need, when you need help? Mayday, mayday. And we don't want to be Christians that are just constantly red button, sound the alarm, siren Christians, but God gives us that availability all the time. The psalm is there for us to understand that we have access to pray. We can pray the scripture that God is our refuge, our safe space. He's our strength. He's our helper who is always found in times of trouble. Pharisees asked Jesus, how do we pray? Well, it's recorded in Matthew 6, which is also the same chapter that Devin just quoted in the song that they were singing, Gyra, that we're going to close with today as it's going to be sung over hopefully all of our souls, we'll have a new freedom. I'm holding my journal because the 
aim and desire, I would pray, is that we all would start to write and talk with God. Maybe just talk to God in our minds, talk to God out loud with our own voices, talk to God through journaling, and that you have permission today to take as much notes as you want. You might open up your phone, you might, next week this could be a reminder, oh, I want to bring a journal back. If you need a journal, go to the Connect Center, you can message somebody online, somebody will buy you a journal, because we believe in journaling. One of my mentors said, the weakest ink is the, the, the best memory, right? And you can't expect God to speak if you're not posturing yourself with a pen and a paper. Now, of course, that's extreme, but there's a, there, there's, there's a nugget there and a principle. Jesus teaches us whenever you pray, not uh, if you pray, but when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. It is so rich, the prayer that Jesus leads us to pray. This is also a prayer model or a type or how to instruct, to inform our motion to pray. We enter in through relationship. It says our Father. And then to change us as we look up at God before we ever even think about what he's going to do in my life. Move to that next slide. Enter up. And then give us our daily bread. Not tomorrow's bread, today today. And God, forgive me, help me, and lead me as I go out, as I also forgive others. So we can enter, we can adore God with praise, we can bring our requests and our needs, and then we also then move outward. When Jesus rose from the dead, he gave us access to an unlimited 24-7 response call to God that's always listening. And when he breathed his last breath, the veil was torn. The veil was torn, meaning there's no more high priest that goes in on behalf of the sins of the people. That the great high priest, being Jesus, gave me and you access. Hebrews chapter 4. Look at verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. It's always given me so much hope because we will be tempted. We will have moments when we want to be led astray. 
And we look to Jesus who understands, who has passed through for us and is the one without sin. So picture this, when you're in Jesus, you are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus, whether you feel like it or not. And God loves our feelings. He wants to invite you into a conversation all the time about what you feel. But one of the mistakes that we uh, can often have is that we have shame or that because of the, the, the errors we've made or the sin decisions, we, that therefore we're not able to then pass through into the presence of God. Well, let's not discount the completed work of Christ. As when God looks down on me and you, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are clothed by the righteousness of Jesus. That is so freeing. That's why his mercies are new every morning. So look at verse 16. Therefore, let us approach the throne room of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. That we can boldly come right into God and say, I'm here to talk. I'm here to talk. And the picture I get is this. The older our kids got, the more aware of their mistakes and their shame when they mess up. And the last thing they do when they mess up is they want to come boldly into the throne room of my office or the bedroom. And where's dad at? They're just, they're kind of like, he'll come find me. And if they do, muster up the courage to say, I'm sorry. It'll a lot of times be like this. Yeah, Dad, so I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm like, look at me, look at me, look at me. I love you. You can always come to me. I always want you to be able to tell me first because I can help you when you have need. I don't want you to be intimidated. I want you to understand that as you talk to me. It's okay, we're all gonna make mistakes, but don't you question that you can come with confidence and look at me dead in the eyes. Church, I wonder, do we come into the throne room of God yeah, God, I get it. No, he gives us access because of what Jesus provided. If you're here today and you have not given your life to Jesus, I pray that the grace of God would compel you enough to put your faith in the only one that gives us access to the Father, to talk to God 24-7, 365. Forgive me, I'm a sinner. Make me brand new. Lead me, teach me. And from this place on, 2024, you can have a new roar, a new freedom, whom the Son set free is free indeed, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And in him is rest, in him, in him is peace, in him is presence with God. Holy Spirit is alive and active right here. And I'll end with this. I got a text just a moment ago. I said there's a real tenderness this morning. The word tender keeps rising, that we would be a tender people, the opposite being tough grateful for what God is doing here in City Life, and most of all, Jesus this morning. And I thought, wow, that sums up the fragrance that I sense in my spirit as well, that there's a tenderness in all of us to talk to God as we receive mercy today because of Jesus, and we bring all of our needs out to pray and to be a people who pray. There's a QR code that you can go to more of this Practice. We'll also send it out in an email. If you want more of the teachings about this practice of, uh, from practicing away, there's four motions of it. Today we'll just go through the first, and then you'll have access to this later as we send this out in the email. And uh, so if we don't have your email on file, please either put it online or go to the Connect Center 
Let's pray and let's talk to God as we look to John Mark Comer teaching us today as we ultimately look to Jesus who John Mark's here in the building via video. He's not here in person, but Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that we can come boldly right into your throne room to look at your eyes and you're always listening. You always care. You always care. We thank you that we have access. We pray that you'll speak to each one of us today as we learn from you, posture our hearts and position our lives to be open and vulnerable where you have access to all of us as we gain all of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This teaching is 20 minutes long. Growing up, my mother was a first-generation follower of Jesus. When I was born, she was still learning how to pray. And when I was just a few years old, she was diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disorder and began to go deaf. The pain of her loss was her portal from a superficial Christian spirituality to a deeper life with God. As her hearing was fading day by day, she began to rise early in the morning to pray. And I just remember as a kid, no matter what time I got up, there she was, sitting in the armchair by the window, alone in the quiet, in prayer. At the time, daily prayer for me was a duty and honestly a bit of a drag. But it was clear to my young mind that she was experiencing something in prayer that I was not. For her, prayer was not a duty at all, but a delight. It was not until many years later when I went through my own season of pain and loss that I discovered the joy of prayer. But let's face it, for many of us, prayer is still a duty. We're all so busy, it's hard to find the time to pray, and if and when we do, it can be boring, and it's hard to focus. We get distracted by all the things on our to-do list, or as the spiritual writer Robert Mulholland once said, we just spend our time worrying in God's general direction. It can feel like talking to yourself or reading a Christmas list to the Santa in the sky. So we make excuses. I have young kids, or I have to go to work, or I'm an active personality, or whatever. And we feel the tinge of guilt, I should pray more. Then we just pick up our phone and go about our day. Let me normalize this for you. We live in one of the most difficult times in all of human history to pray. The smartphone alone is a death blow to prayer for our entire generation. Not to mention social media, the internet, digital streaming, entertainment, noise pollution, urbanization, secularization, and Saturday morning soccer with the kids. My point is, if you struggle to pray, you are not alone. As St. Teresa of Avila used to say, when it comes to prayer, we're all beginners. And yet, prayer is the portal to life with God the life we all crave in the deepest part of our being, whether we identify it as a desire for God or misidentify it as a desire for something else. Thankfully, Jesus was full of wisdom on prayer. On that note, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Many people are beginning to read scripture on their phones, and that's just fine but we recommend you carry a hard copy Bible with you to each session and follow along. Luke chapter 11, verse one. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Pause right there for a minute. 
we are dropping into the middle of a much larger story. And in the literary design of Luke's biography of Jesus, this is a running theme. In chapter five, Luke writes, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In Luke six, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Or in Luke nine, Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. Here he is again in Luke 11, praying. Keep reading. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. This is a fascinating request. Jesus did all sorts of amazing things, but the disciples do not ask Jesus to teach them how to heal the sick or how to cast out demons or perform miracles or even teach and preach. They ask him to teach them how to pray. My theory is it's because living with Jesus 24-7, watching his daily prayer rhythm and getting the behind-the-scenes view of his life, they realized that Jesus' extraordinary outer life with people was the byproduct of his even more extraordinary inner life with God. They were smart enough to intuit that just like me and my mother, Jesus was experiencing something in prayer that they were not. Prayer for Jesus was not a duty, but a delight. He seemed to really enjoy his father's company. In prayer, it's like Jesus was drinking from a deep well and they wanted a taste of the water. So right now, right where you are, I invite you to take a moment and make the disciples' prayer your own. Lord, teach us to pray. And if you're ready to apprentice under Rabbi Jesus and become a student in his school of prayer, pay close attention to what Jesus teaches his disciples to pray and how Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. A short word on each. First off, what Jesus teaches. He said to them in verse 2, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Protestants call this the Lord's Prayer, and Catholics the Our Father. And it's not just a liturgy or a pre-made prayer, it's also a theology or a theological orientation for prayer. It's a way of coming before God. A lot of people equate prayer with asking God to do things, but while asking is a key part of prayer, there's so much more to prayer. Notice, Jesus does not ask our Father for anything until midway through the prayer. The entire first half is orientation. Let me point out four theological truths from the Lord's Prayer that are Jesus' framework for all prayer. For Jesus, first off, God is our Father. Line one, our Father. Or in Aramaic, Jesus' mother tongue, Abba, what a child would call their dad. In Jesus' day, that was a revolutionary way to address God. The New Testament scholar Joachim Jeremias writes, there is not a single example of the use of Abba as an address to God in the whole of Jewish literature. Yet it was Jesus' go-to name for God. He thought of God as his father and he taught his apprentices to do the same. 
I know this is really hard for some of you due to difficult relationships with your human fathers. But for Jesus, what comes to mind when you think about God will make or break your prayer life. My friend John Tyson from Pray New York City put it this way, unless you break the stronghold of false images of God in your mind, you'll never be drawn to prayer. For many of us, our journey into a deeper life of prayer must begin with the healing of our false images of who God is. If you think of God as an angry tyrant in the sky, mad at the world, waiting to just lay into you and lecture you with his disappointment, or as the cosmic life coach there to make you happy but who doesn't seem to deliver, you will not be drawn to prayer. But if you think of God as your father, that's a whole other story. When I get home from work, my kids don't grovel at my feet and say, Pastor Comer, welcome. They run up and give me a hug and immediately start telling me about their day or asking me for things. Can we go see a movie? Can we eat ice cream? Can we whatever? Because they know for all of my shortcomings as a dad, and there are many, I have a welcoming heart and good intentions toward them. The first thing Jesus has to teach us about prayer is that the God we come before has a welcoming heart of goodwill toward us. The primary emotional word used for God in both the Old and New Testaments is compassionate. And in Hebrew, it's referring to the feeling that a father, or more specifically, a mother, has toward their infant child. That is God's baseline emotional disposition toward you. Compassion, delight, tender care. He's our father. Secondly, for Jesus, God is as close as the air. Line two, our father goes on in heaven. Read the footnote in your Bible and you'll read that while most copies we have of Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer are shorter, some ancient manuscripts add on the full version of the Lord's Prayer found in the other gospels, in heaven. Now, heaven is a tricky word because in English, when most people read heaven, they think of a place that you go when you die. But while there's truth in that, in Greek, the word is uranos. It's actually plural, the heavens. More literally, it just means the air or the atmosphere. Hear it this way, our Father in the air. Think about that. The air is all around you, up against your skin, inside your body. It's in your blood. That's how close the availability of God's presence is. Jesus is teaching his apprentices that when we come to our Father in prayer, he's not far away in outer space, but closer to us than we are to ourselves. Third, for Jesus, the primary goal of prayer is the worshipful enjoyment of our Father's company. The next line is, hallowed be your name. That's another tricky word to translate into English. Basically, to hallow means to revere and respect the holiness of God. And to be holy means to be unique and special and beautiful. To say God is holy is to say there is no other being in all the cosmos more radiant than he. The Presbyterian Timothy Keller in his book, Prayer, writes, to hallow God's name is to have a heart of grateful joy toward God and even more a wondrous sense of his beauty. When you begin to pray, to commune with God, 
and you begin to enter into the inner life of the Father and the Son and the Spirit and share in their love and joy and peace, you realize they radiate beauty. And as you are caught up in and enveloped into the beauty of God, you can't help but desire for others around you to see God for who he really is. The Anglican theologian N.T. Wright translates, Hallowed be your name, this way. May you be worshipped by your whole creation. May the whole cosmos resound with your praise. May the whole world be freed from injustice, disfigurement, sin, and death. Here is Jesus in loving worship of his Father. Think about how different Jesus' approach to prayer is from our own. Often we come to God to get things from God that we feel we need to be happy. This is one of the reasons we tend to pray mostly when our career or relationships or life circumstances are under threat. And that's fine. But it's also a gentle sign from our own heart that for most of us, we are still searching for happiness outside of God. God himself has yet to become our happiness. But for Jesus... The first goal of prayer is just to enter into the beauty of God. And when you do that, you can't help but desire the world around you to experience his beauty. Finally, for Jesus, our prayers really do make a difference. Jesus' next line is, your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice Jesus assumes that his kingdom has not yet come and that his will is not yet done. In part, yes, but not in full. And he assumes that through prayer, we partner with him to bend reality in the direction of our Father's wisdom and good intentions. That through prayer, we drag the future age of the kingdom of God into this age. Now, much more could be said about the Lord's Prayer. But for right now, Think of how different this is from how many of us approach God. One, we think of God as a grumpy dictator or a cosmic vending machine, not as our father. Two, we think he's far away in outer space, not as close as the air. Three, we think the main point of prayer is to get things from God, what Mulholland called symptom management, not to delight in God himself. And four, we assume that what's going to happen is going to happen with or without our prayers, not that prayer really makes a difference. No wonder we avoid prayer. So that's what Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. But that can sound a bit overwhelming, right? I mean, where do we even start? Well, next, look at how Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. He does not start by teaching them to say whatever is on their mind. Nothing wrong with that at all, but he starts by saying, when you pray, say. The New Testament scholar Scott McKnight argues that verse 2 can be translated, whenever you pray, recite this. Jesus is tapping into the first century Hebrew custom of praying memorized or pre-made prayers. This is what we mean by talking to God, praying pre-made prayers that someone else, in this case, Jesus himself, created for followers of Jesus across the world and down through history to pray. Let me give you a few examples of pre-made prayers. The Lord's Prayer is the most famous in the New Testament. It was prayed three times a day by the first Christians and still is by the monastic orders. 
Second, the Psalms, which are called the prayer book of the Bible, because most of them were designed not to be read, but to be prayed. Third, Scripture itself. Many people find great life in praying Scripture back to God, calling on God to fulfill His promises. Four, singing. There's a power in prayer that is set to music. St. Augustine famously said, to sing is to pray twice. We don't think of modern worship music as liturgical, but it is. It's a pre-written prayer that we are all praying together to God. But there's also, fifth, formal liturgy in more historic streams of the church, like the Book of Common Prayer or the Liturgy of the Hours. And six, in today's world, we have apps on our phone that guide you through prayer as you drive to work or walk your dog in the park. These are all examples of talking to God with pre-made prayers. This type of prayer is very helpful in a number of situations. When you're first learning to pray, think of how children learn to write by tracing letters and then words on a page before they write on their own. This is how God wired the brain to grow, by copying and imitation. And this is a great way to learn how to pray. Or when you're traveling and away from your daily prayer rhythm, you're on an airplane or in a hotel room or in the back of a car and you don't have the habit cues of your home life. Or when you're exhausted and can't focus your mind very well because you have a newborn or you didn't sleep well the night before or you're in a demanding season of school or work or caregiving. When you're emotionally or physically unwell. When you long for greater articulation in your prayer and you're searching for the right words to express your heart to God. Or when you're in what St. John of the Cross called the dark night of the soul, a season where you don't feel God's presence like you used to. In these situations and more, this can be a really helpful way to pray. Now, there are limitations to this type of prayer. It can feel impersonal or inauthentic or intellectual. It's very important with pre-made prayer in particular that we slow down and bring our heart's intention to the prayer, lest it become rote. But if we open our heart to God in this way, we tap into a quiet power that is running underneath the surface of the kingdom of God. We are praying with the communion of the saints, adding our voice to millions around the world and down through history. We are praying with articulation and theological weight and beauty. We are guarding our mind from distraction and guiding it into God's presence and purposes. These pre-made prayers are a kind of scaffolding for building a temple of the Holy Spirit in our body. So, this coming week, our practice is to begin to develop your own daily prayer rhythm and to explore what and where and when and how to pray. We have all sorts of recommendations for you, but really, there's no right way to pray. The Catholic scholar Ronald Rollheiser writes, there is no bad way to pray and no single starting point for prayer. The spiritual masters offer one non-negotiable rule. You have to show up for prayer and show up regularly. Everything else is negotiable and respects your unique circumstances. So as you practice, remember, the ultimate aim of prayer is not to master a discipline. It's not to master anything. It's to be mastered and as a result, be set free. The point of prayer is to open our heart to God to offer deeper and deeper parts of our life and world to him to heal and save and move farther down the path toward what ancient Christians called union with God, 
Union is the answer to Jesus' own prayer for his disciples in John 17. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us or united with us that the world may believe that you have sent me. As the 14th century Englishwoman Julian of Norwich once said, the whole reason why we pray is to be united into the vision and contemplation of God to whom we pray. Whether you pray the Lord's Prayer or Psalm 23 or Gregorian chant, the whole point is just to live more and more of our days, receiving and giving the love of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And while we never arrive, that is our ultimate aim and prayer is the way. So, as you begin, I can't think of a better place to start than the disciples' simple request, Lord, teach us to pray. Our family has adopted the Lord's Prayer. We have seven of us in the house, so we've delegated a day to each person who leads the Lord's Prayer. We recite it together. We hold hands as a family, and then that person also close us in prayer. We have kind of a modified prayer of Jabez we've added with it. And then, uh, you know, as each person in the family feels led to pray and close the day, we, we pray that way. Now, and there's been times that I've felt level of head trash, meaning shouldn't my prayer in the morning be longer or more elegant than just reciting the Lord's Prayer? And it's such a lie, because if Jesus taught us to pray that way, then it is so sufficient. And there's other times where prayer for me might look stillness or just praying Abba, being silent. There's other times where there's groanings and the Spirit's praying for me and I don't even know what to pray. I invite you into those thoughts because my goal isn't to fish for a day and you eat for that day, but the goal would be that to teach each person to fish for themselves and eat for a lifetime. That's the desire for any parent with a child is to see them be able to take the call of God further than their parents ever could, that their children's starting line is the ceiling of the parents. And that's their floor for the kids. So when you hear this today, I pray that even some examples as John Mark has laid out and some examples that I've laid out that you would feel invited into start to formulate and cook breakfast the way you want to cook breakfast. Start to eat and connect with God the way you want to connect with God. And to close service today, during the worship practice, I was sitting front row and the team was singing the bridge from Jaira. Jaira means that God is my provider. And there's the line in the chorus where it says that uh, he's more than enough. I will be content in any circumstance. That ministered to me because one of the biggest temptations I've been feeling this week is to be discontent, to focus on I need something more to be fulfilled today that around the corner, when I get there, then I'm gonna be fully content, which is just a lie. Paul said, I've learned the secret in life as to whether I have a lot or I have a little or whether the, the vision comes to pass or it doesn't or the things I see in the future are realized today or not, I can be content because through Christ, I can do all things. 
It's one of the most powerful truths we can understand is that God is our provider that ministered to me. And I pray the same way that the bridge ministered to me this this morning as they sung Matthew 6. The worship team served the body to kick off service today by singing scripture. That it was a prayer over my soul that I pray that it would become a prayer over our soul. So I'm going to read Matthew 6 and we're just going to worship. We're going to talk to God. And you can bring whatever thought you have to the one who made you. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers, the lilies of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these, was not even adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? So don't worry, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you, God that we can talk to you. Every sparrow, 
online, you can just type this in. But if you're in the room, you can just shout this out. And we're going to take a moment and we're going to ask God, is there a word that's being stirred up in our heart, in our soul today? And we're just going to speak it in this room. God, we take a moment right now to ask you for a word that you would share through your people that we could speak in this moment right here, right now. I hear free. What's that? Focus. Still. Patience. Honesty. Unity. Love presence. What's that? Fulfilled. Fulfilled. Huh? Obedience. Humility. Faith. Joy. Happiness. Peace, forgiveness, persevere, release, let's go back into that hook one last time, God is worthy of it all. God is worthy of it all. And I want to invite you to lift your hands as an act of surrender. And next week is going to begin the internship for a small group of individuals in this church. But we're going to be thematically going through some of the same content as a body collectively gathering together on Sundays. And so next week's declaration will be, as they're going all in, that we would also say all in, that God, I want all of me to be exchanged for all of you. Sometimes we think all in and we think, you know, John Rambo and we gotta, you know, get the headband and 
go fight. And the battle's been won, friends. It's a, really an act of surrender and release as we let God in and that God is present. So in this moment, it's a prayer of ours as a body that God is worthy and that's what we need. We just need him to be Lord of everything in our life. And we wanna be people that surrender to him in every area of our life. Do you are our things, you deserve the glory. You are worthy of the God be the glory. What a way to start our 2024 out together. I pray that this would be momentum that would feel effortless, a wave to ride with God and with each other. We'll see you next week, 10 a.m. and 1130. All races, all faces, and all ages, you belong here. We're going to keep loving this city one life at a time. And we're not going to stop until Jesus Christ comes back and he makes all things new. Have the best day of your lives. Oh,